Welcome back to Frame Rates. I'm Abe Epperson. I'm with my co-host, Michael Swam. The show where we rate frames. We rate frames. You gotta say that. Movies, frames. And we're again, I don't know if which will come out first, but we have, we'll have two episodes where Katie Stoll, our friend and a fellow movie lover, is joining us for Ocean's Eleven. Which, yep. if you'll remember, came out in 2001. I did not remember, but now I do after rewatching it and was sobered by how long it's been. It's, it's been a while. Like it hasn't been that long. Yeah. 16 years. Four presidential terms since yeah, Ocean's that's a Eleven. Lot. <laughs> yeah. First heisted its way into yeah. our hearts. So today we're going to rate frames. Your glasses look excellent, Katie. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And that's the show. Now, Thanks for watching. I won. Oceans one one. Oceans eleven. Classic heist movie. Mm-hmm. I realized watching it this time, kind of some definitely influential on things like the Fast and the Furious franchise, mm-hmm. the Mission Impossible franchise, um, anything where a group of pals have fun heist like doing <laughs> crimes, and the crimes are treated very lightly as if there's no victims. <laughs> yeah, that's like a through line of all these franchises. Is don't worry about whoever the money is coming from. Right, you know? you're swindling. <laughs> right, we, right. We've got the because he is a bad guy. Who doesn't? Oh. Well, yeah, him that specifically. Was the main takeaway I th- was I can't. Speaking of how dated it is, Jesus God, like Danny Ocean, I didn't understand how to root for him. Yeah, it was really a, a the offer from the movie seemed to be. Just think of them as literally George Clooney and Brad Pitt, who you think are nice and charming. Yep. Because if you think about, well, what are Danny Ocean's characteristics? They're all bad. Terrible. <laughs> Only bad, except that he's charming. And the villain has mostly good characteristics. Yeah. <laughs> he's a dick, but like when um, Linus, is ta- who's Matt Damon, is talking about, yeah, this guy's a machine. He does a good job. Yeah. Like, he knows everybody's name. He's Even worked hard for his money. Yeah. You know? like, he works like 10, 12, 10, 12 hour days. Uh, he shows up to time on time to dinner and is respectful of, you know, the woman he's dating. He and, doesn't steal millions of dollars from people. He does rough people up. He is kind of a gangster, yeah, I guess. Yeah, he's pretty ruthless. He's I, not a good guy, but also neither is the guy that we're supposed to be rooting for. It's know? Las Vegas. He's not. I gotta. Horrible. I actually don't even think he's that bad. Like by yeah. the, like I've seen a way worse mobster characters where it's yeah. only like. Actually, I don't even know if he's a mobster, oh, but like has that vibe. It's just because he's willing to have someone roughed up because he works in a mob dominated business uh, is a negative characteristic. But I still was like. This guy's not that bad. And the one time he says, no, I don't want him beaten up. I am. I'm choosing. I want someone killed. It's because they just stole $160 million from a company that he's like the steward of. And in a moment of rage, he's like, you motherfucker, if I ever find you, I'll kill you. I'm like, I'd say that too. I don't see what is like bad about Terry Benedict. And I realize the reason you're supposed to hate him is simply that he's not funny. Like, mm-hmm. he is not charming or fun to but be around. But it comes down to that line, does he make you laugh? He doesn't make me cry. It's like, yeah, he isn't mm-hmm. funny. But I guess, so Julie Roberts' decision is that, a bo- like, because he's not George Clooney charming, he is evil. <laughs> it's just Well, weird. I mean, that line of, like, would you? I'll give you all the money back if you give up Tess and he agrees. And it's yeah. like, I'm also like... Pfft. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is a woman you're just dating, you know, uh, and like and some yeah. hundred, all of this money that you're going to be on the line for in some capacity that might devastate your entire business. Cause how can this happen? Even? And if we have a healthy relationship, like it's not like she can't come back. Yeah. Or like, like she should be able to under. Yeah. Right. Like, or even understand that in that scenario where he's in a hallway talking with a guy, he thinks stole $160 million. That was the appropriate thing to say. Yeah. Like he might, he could come to her and be like, I didn't mean that. I just had to say that. And if I were, I'd be like, that makes sense. Yeah, me too. But instead, and what's crazy is the fact that she saw it, the fact that she even saw him say that, which she must know because it's the only way it could have happened, is a manipulation by Danny Ocean. Yeah. So it's transparently like if I went to an ex and was like, ha ha, I taped your new boyfriend saying he'd break up with you yeah. if I could provide him with $160 million. <laughs> Here's the tape. I'd be like, fucking so? Right. What is so? I mean, and you're a manipulative, sneaky piece of shit right. for doing so, that. So she's, and she says, I, I don't want to date this criminal or be with this criminal anymore. And he's like, I'm not. I'm just here because of you or whatever. But then he pulls this fucking huge heist and she's like oh okay never mind yeah i'll be with you now you're still the bad person that i know you are but i guess i don't want to be alone I, like i don't know like girl you don't have to date either of them also uh, and I, if you look at it from the thieves point of view he gathered all these people together put their lives and livelihoods on the line knowingly in a job that he says of course we could all get caught yeah we could be jailed or even in an extreme case killed by the mob of course that could happen i'm also lying to all of you intentionally going yeah. against the plan we all agreed upon doing the one thing you asked me not to do which is come to the hotel again even though i don't need to for the plan to succeed i'm just doing it to be charming well i and thought put that in that facetime with being... julia roberts didn't that end up being part of the plan that they kept secret? It ended up being part of his plan with Brad Pitt within the organization. Right. But like Matt Damon didn't know about yeah, it, blah, blah, blah. Know. I guess my point is he's an irresponsible prick to everyone around him on all sides always. Like he's never yeah. helping even his allies. But he's charming. He's like one <laughs> of the worst characters that I've ever seen in the hero yeah. role. Yeah. Abe's grinning. What do you love about no, Danny Ocean? <laughs> I, no, I think you guys are right. I just think that it's a great character. <laughs> like I, there, I think that everyone in this movie, in all three movies, are not good people. We're not supposed to believe that they're good. They're just very effective thieves. That's mm -hmm. we're the ones that read into it, going like their their actions are heroic. I guess because they hold up the avatar of he's trying to get back his lost love. That's classically a thing that you're like, oh, we're supposed to agree with that. Yeah. Why? I'm just because that's the shots and the music make it clear. Like when he's with Julie Roberts, the romantic music swells. So, mm -hmm. you know, you're supposed to be like, oh, I hope they get together. I think that's kind of the charm of it is that it's tearing apart. Like, so heist movies came from, like, the 30s and 40s after film noir and gangster movies were a thing. And they were idolizing and making, you know, like, heroes out of these villains. And it was intensely problematic. And I think that Soderbergh is making a movie that is and kind of an antithesis to that, especially in the second and third films, 12 and 13. Like, they're not good. And they are... They're good at their job, but they're they're mean people. They're they will break anything. They even at one point steal from 
a cripple, you know, like they just do whatever they want. It's very, very limited. There's almost no character development scenes to like get insights into the characters. Right. Like even the Fast and the Furious does more. Like you never go into the background of Don Cheadle to find out why he does this or what he cares about. It really is. You're right. It's a procedural Mm -hmm. of how a heist would be done. Mm -hmm. uh, These movies are literally just and from step one, like the opening shot is he getting out on parole and he already knows he's going to do this job. And it's basically just a montage of how would you do a heist like this? They did it. It's yeah, so yeah. simple. Uh, and I, <clears throat> I I, don't know if it's intentionally he's leaning into it or it's unintentionally problematic, but I thought it was insane that I just, I still, I still hate him so much. They even referenced that Danny Ocean's last job that he's in prison for was stealing Incan native people's yeah. tribal, masks masks. used in wedding ceremonies from like museums and trying to sell them on the black market that is fucking er across the board like evil to do bad it's like the bad part of india it's like of what indiana jones does you're not supposed to go steal shit from central america and then south america and then sell it yeah for your own profit and i you're arguing that yeah that's how you know he is intentionally making him a bad guy i would argue that it's presented somewhat confusingly i think it's presented like a joke and i think personally i kind of thought in 2001 was this joke more appropriate in some capacity or like like to us now that we're like stealing from native peoples and, yeah, yeah like you know or like we think it's funny because like oh we're making fun of like people buying these things you know not it's not taking into consideration well, that you're stealing you know do you know, you know what I'm saying? I like, know what you're saying, but I would argue that that Incan, you know, tribal masks conversation occurs when it's a bunch, they're unannounced. Rusty has a, uh, or Danny Ocean, right? like, crashes this card game, which, like, Rusty has a legitimate business. Is Brad teaching, Pitt's name Rusty in this? Yes, yeah, Rusty Jesus. Ryan or something Topher like that. Topher Grace and Friends. Yeah. Uh, who are idiots. Wait, isn't that funny that that, well, to me, I was like, oh, those are all the heartthrobs then, huh? Right. Like, Dawson's <laughs> Creek, you know. And oh, well, so, I didn't recognize anyone it was except like, Topher Grace. It was, they were all, right. And the guy from they're Dawson's all, Creek. I was still all, high from seeing that Bernie Mac is in the movie. I was like, yeah, right, Bernie Mac, yeah. this movie will be good. <laughs> so they steal from every culture. Like they, just because we decide Topher Grace is dumb in this movie and is playing a horrible character. They deserve it. They walk out with like 16 grand and they don't care. So we're fine with it. We're the ones putting like, obviously Incan masks, someone cares about that. So our, our empathy extends out to it. These are characters that don't do that. A thief is a thief. If they're going to transgress and steal shit, they don't care what borders it crosses or what country it came until from until the second one i guess i, I as that. a citizen find it more despicable to steal from a third world country than from a first world country Fair enough. but yeah. that's like i agree it's my own no i had that gradation. same thought yeah. i had the same like <laughs> reaction to it when we were that when well it just made me realize oh maybe i am not supposed to think danny ocean's great yeah uh but at the same time the movie feels like james bond in the sense where 
I'm supposed to think Danny Ocean's the coolest guy on the face of the that's, planet. That's what I want to get to. Is that am I or am I not? Is was is Soderbergh want me to think Danny Ocean's cool? Or I not? think they want you to think Danny Ocean's cool. I think they want you. I think Soderbergh wants you to think that Danny Ocean wants you to think Danny Ocean's cool. I think that his whole point is to present the coolest stylistic approach of because like heist films didn't. Uh, something that I thought is interesting about this movie, as you said, act one, like the, the story structure is so like stupid. It's act one, the motivation for the heist act two, the preparation for the heist act three, the heist. And at some point a twist. Mm -hmm. And this comes from like, there's movies that have been doing like the sting, which is a great movie. The sting is great. I I think a little better that in, in terms of, because the main game they're giving you is, can you predict the con? No, you couldn't, because it was a double con. We even conned you, the audience. And that's yeah. fun. I like that game. The Sting, and maybe it was just the age. Maybe I'm if I saw it again, I wouldn't feel this way. But The Sting got me over and over, where I was like, I did not see that coming. And in I this, I was like, okay, he's saying that, but that's because, not true. Right. That's going to be nested inside the overall heist. <laughs> it, 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 that's, that's what I was getting at, is that any time editorially, these oceans movies just choose to errantly say, here's the thing that if you were to know dramatic irony would not make it interesting. But now we decided to show you this at the right time. It's per, it makes them we withheld cool. it until it. they're actually yeah. the SWAT guys. Yeah. And it was made up or, and yet given normal story structure, you are kind of should have been obliged to show us how they made the costume change and where they acquired the SWAT sure, equipment. yeah. But they're like, but if we showed you that, then it wouldn't function as a twist when you saw that they were the SWAT guys. Right. So it's totally arbitrary withholding of information yeah. to create twists. That's why... That's it, their main trick. And it, it kind of works. It's fun. That's why I thought... <laughs> I always thought that the heist episode of Agents of Crack was so funny to me because it's like a response to that. Like, nothing matters anything. No one knows what they're doing. If, like, you made a heist film where everyone's terrible at it, which is kind of like pain and gain, if you've ever seen that, which is... One of my favorites. Michael Bay, yeah. Yeah. It's so I have not, but I will. It's like Michael Bay doing a satire of himself. It's fascinating. It's it's like the only interesting Michael Bay movie. I'll absolutely watch that. Because I don't... I respect Michael Bay as a technician, but, like, not his mind and story or anything. Right, he's not a storyteller. Yeah. But... It's like Adam Sandler and Punch Drunk Love where mm-hmm. you're like, this was the movie he was born to make. Yeah. It so perfectly fits what he does anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very fun. It's kind of the point. And I think Soderbergh's editorial strategy for these movies, which is very much akin of like the Sting, and, but he's he just ramps it up. Like Act Match 3 is, a, also yeah, is good. Act mm-hmm. 3 in, this, in Ocean's Eleven in particular is a goddamn mess in terms of temporality. Everything unravels at the same time and you're unsure like, my big question this time is, what's the point of hiding the real plan from Matt Damon? Like, Danny yeah. Ocean at one point... Was there a chance he was going to, like, turn on you or fuck yeah. the plan or something? Right. Yeah. And he's like, so they get Linus to be like, you're going to replace Danny. And then there's the elevator scene where, like, Danny Ocean Reveals appears. Himself. Surprise, we're working together on this job. Yeah. Okay. You just told me you were out. Six hours ago, this doesn't really change anything. Right, yeah. and my question is, why did they do that? Like, yeah, there's no especially point. since they needed each other to execute the rest of it, they were repelling. That they had both had the stuff to come down the elevator right. shaft. It's confusing it's- because it makes it seem like Danny was going rogue, but then he really, truly wasn't. They reveal. 
Right. Right. The large points line up, but if you look for it, there's stuff where you're like, that part of the plan is nonsense. Which they, makes, they just gloss over it. It also makes the battery scene where Danny Ocean is like, why isn't this not working? And like the person who's yeah. prepared for this job is actually the guy who's not in control. It's Linus. It's Matt Damon who yeah. has the batteries. He has the solvency. Matt Damon brought spare batteries, not even knowing that Clooney would be there, which makes no sense. And Clooney yeah. just yeah. arrived, didn't have batteries, didn't think ahead. And then if you watch Ocean's 12, uh, if you guys have watched that one, I know we're bleeding into it. But mm-hmm. like, since they are a single narrative, like, is this is this whole scene only because like in Ocean's 12, like Rusty and Danny just want to fuck with Linus? Like was that? They were just setting up that they like fucking with Matt yeah, Damon. Yeah, I mm. guess that's what it is. Or does it have like some other significance? Danny Ocean's just bad at his job. What's the one where Brad Pitt is eating in almost every scene? This? That, like they were leaning into it. The, I mean, I was on the lookout for it in this, movies. but I thought there was a particular Ocean's installment where he just can't stop. I mean, like, he every was time eating. I was hyper aware of his eating in this. I, this so one, much he's eating. having the gyro outside he, prison. But he that's has not like it. the. Uh, no. Oh in, no, he eats no? the entire movie. Nachos. <laughs> the entire. Yeah. He is always eating in this goddamn it's a through movie. Line oh, in I mean, he's 12. a fat, fat man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I rewatched. I actually rewatched Ocean's Twelve for this as well he at one point has junior mints uh when terry benedict calls and says like i'm coming after you and he like hands them off they so they do his through line but oceans 11 is clearly it's like 50 percent of the scenes and uh the trivia that goes along making a joke that you didn't notice it the whole time yeah i don't know how you didn't notice it (laughs) i was looking for it and i felt like it's not that much there must be one where it's way more I the, I find this forever interesting, and I've talked about it on maybe this podcast as well, but we talk about it all the time. So the idea of him eating something was Brad Pitt's idea. Yeah. That. Yeah, and it's uh, Brad Pitt has like such an interesting thing that like, okay, I see why, but it's such a big choice, and like I don't think the audience would see it the way that you see it. Like, I think it's of a why. I, yeah, it's something. It's simply his a mouth argument. <laughs> I do. I think that it's a, a, a tool that he uses in a lot of his acting, and like it it distracts from being a bad actor. That makes you know seem naturalistic, right? Yeah. You have business. And I think I'm not <laughs> surprised at all that Can he I says. Can I just have some business? Yeah, yeah. This, that he suggests this character has it. He argued it was because the whole gang is so busy, they rarely have time to eat, which yeah. I don't. It's a good excuse, ma- I guess. It's an excuse. So Rusty would just have to be eating on the go all the time. Uh, But I think it's funny that he mentioned this after he was eating after working all day without a break for lunch. And uh, he was hungry. So he thought it would be a good character trait for Rusty. (laughs) I think he was probably just hungry. Um, I think that if... I, I'm, I was surprised that he, ha- he found like a logic for it because if whoever's idea for it, it's so clearly a status thing. Mm-hmm. Like uh, that's what we talked about. And I think we've talked about this on the podcast. Before. That goes back to like, it's they teach in Sha- Elizabeth and Shakespeare classes. Yeah. That, sure. Yeah. Eating while you're doing a scene gives the Duke status over the servant right. who's not allowed to eat. Yeah. Whatever your problem is. Definitely. I can, I can eat and talk to you about it. Yeah. Right? Which just makes me better. And <laughs> right. like, and I thought that that was always what, 
Brad Pitt's aim was with that is that Rusty's so in control that he's just cavalierly eating all the time. I think it's got to be half that and half that he finds it a handy to have a bit of business. Yeah. And now he, he so. can't do without it. I, I think so. Maybe. I, I feel like it's not just in these Oceans movies that he frequently is eating food. But I can't come up with examples right now. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Because I feel like we've had this conversation that cracked. Before. Oh, Jack O'Brien. In there's Fight a cracked Club. article where he catalogs dozens yeah. of them. So we don't need to do that work. Yeah. Find it <laughs> on it the exists. now defunct crack.com. Um, yeah. He definitely eats in a uh, fight club. But I do love how they throw. Uh, yeah. Some knuckle sandwiches. Uh, I like how they throw Jeez. in. They do throw in a couple lines to make you s- just try and ignore any damage done. They're like, uh, Julia Roberts will be like, blah, blah, blah about our relationship and our personal stakes. And anyway, when you commit crimes, you know you only rob people who are covered by insurance, so they get made whole, but I don't. And you're like, that was the screenwriter telling me don't feel bad when they steal $160 million. (laughs) But they also release an MP that shuts down the entire city of Vegas, absolutely murdering People landing at the airport, mm-hmm. people on life support, people undergoing surgery at that time. There's no question this crime had a human body count. Uh, yes. That, I didn't think about the extent of that, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, cars chaos, crashing car, in the cars chaos. Crashing, and we see looting. that a, even a 30-second blackout created uh, so much chaos in the casino that I'm like, if you extrapolate that to the entire city... They they stole 160 million, but there will be billions of dollars of damages and decades of lawsuits related to this historical event, and we're not supposed to give a shit. They would be the we're most supposed to be like people in the world. Pleased too. that he got Julia Roberts back. Another mm-hmm. movie where the woman completely an object. At the yes. end, she is packed in the back of his car, and Brad Pitt refers to her as your personal yep. effects. There are other lines if I can find them in my notes, but. Julie Roberts three or four times is referred to literally as an object in yeah. this movie. Like he goes like, you know, not li- I'm paraphrasing, but like, Terry, you took some of my own and I'm here to take it back. And yeah. you're like, stop talking about yeah. her like that. It was it was it <laughs> yeah. was troubling. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask about that because I found the writing very interesting, like from a I don't know why they're doing it. And that was one of the scenes because like she is very. It's this uh, Ocean's Eleven quickness. Everyone is witty uh, upon witty, mm-hmm. and almost to the point of being witty for witty's sake. Like I know that there's that scene at the end with Rusty and Danny where it's just like that's the thing with it. Yeah, you know, like yeah. they're not they're finishing each other's sentences, but yeah. like the audience is totally separated. They're just so cool. And uh, Tess has that as well, Julia Roberts' character. Where you know he doesn't make me cry. Yeah, like also, she's quick and yeah. Did you get the divorce papers? I always I told you I'd write. Yeah. You know, like they're very overtly clever. Yeah. And I wonder what you guys thought of that because I like it totally fits for the stylistic approach of the film and these characters who think they're larger than life to the point that it's almost hollow. Uh, but d- yeah. is it effective yeah. or is it just hollow? I mean, does it play into the role? I mean, it plays into like what this movie is, but what I, but it doesn't tell me anything about who they actually are, you know, and that's why you like, I don't act this. That's why this movie doesn't have more weight to it. It's It's just just like a fun fun. movie that you can watch. Right. You know, but yeah. Personally, I think they're all crap. I've only seen this one and I have no interest in seeing any of the other ones. I really don't. I do think they're completely hollow and sterile. 
exercises in nothing really. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. Spoiler alert. That's my review at the end. I think twelve is the best. Still fun to talk about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and like the cast is so tight. Although I'm so out of love with Matt Damon these days. I know. Well, it was when turn- the big punchline. They're like. You want one more? We need one more. I'll get one more. And you're like, who's going to be the big final punchline on this expendable style team? Oh, it's just Matt Damon. Yeah, I had a hard time from the beginning. I'm like, okay, this is full of problematic men. We've got Casey Affleck. Yeah, when it cut to Casey Affleck, I was like, like, I bet he gets along with Matt Damon. I know, Matt Damon. And then like, even Brad Pitt has this whole thing with his, I I don't know. I mean, why Angelina? I don't know. It's rumors, but apparently there's some like, some physical stuff maybe with the kids i don't know these are like troubling men and then i was like i haven't heard well that was surprising i hadn't heard bernie max name in a while so i was like what happened mm. with him and i googled and he died yes and i was like that, i love bernie well, i love i know and i so that was upsetting thing to discover i had bernie realized. mac and john ritter both in bad santa are some of my favorite comedic yeah. performances of all time yeah anyway just i guess those three well yeah problematic men but uh Oh, also, if I got divorced and then my ex just got out of prison and I know they're breaking parole by being there, and the first time we interacted was they touched me on the shoulder from behind mm-hmm. by surprise, I would just immediately be like, get the fuck out I of know. here. I will call the police. Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, and like when he's, when he almost kisses her, it's so, a lot of the stuff read is really creepy to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, if I was... Because I didn't realize it was her ex-husband. He's really just like a pathetic, desperate ex-husband yeah. coming back and lying and manipulating you into taking him back. He's just He's kind of pissing all charming. over her. Yeah. He's like, you're the thing that I, you belong to me. Let me put on this big show to show yeah. you. What is the the one part of the heist I like zoned out for and didn't follow the intricacies of? I know that he came to say goodbye to her. Again, just because he was using her, because uh, he slipped something in her pocket. He what slipped was a phone it? in her pocket. What phone. did that do? It called in the middle of the fight. Oh, that's just how Brad Pitt was able to talk yeah. to Benedict and right. say, we took your money. Okay. Yeah, all right. And I just thought, I really admire Terry Benedict, guys, I got to say, the villain. <laughs> His ability to guess what was going on quickly was so good. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's a master of yeah. yeah, He's a Humperdinck. He's a humper, he's a regular humperdink from Princess Bride, yeah. a master. He can tracker. track a falcon on a cloudy day. Yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. He, uh, identi- Let's just talk about Princess Bride. <laughs> he identifies there's the Bellagio logo that they had. Oh yeah, that was a good. He's like, we had it installed on Tuesday. Uh, oh, also, do you guys know why? Saul, they have scenes of Saul being nervous and sweaty, and they build up the thing like, "Are you sure you can do this, Saul?" And then it turns out the heart attack is part of the plan. Then why was he acting like he was sweating and about to have a heart attack in front of his gang before the heist began? See, that's what I'm talking about with the elevator scene. Okay. That's what this movie's all about. There are setups for the next movie. It's overt writing for the sake of us feeling that the team is unhinged. Oh. So that when the twist happens we feel it more it's on the surface like everything else about this movie so but, like the only argument would be like well he was just nervous because it was the day of the big show right or whatever that's like the cheapest kind of red yeah, herring don't it's think such about a it. it's yeah. such a yeah. cheap misdirection but doesn't he actually have a heart attack in one of the movies 
Or am I remembering that wrong? I haven't watched no. one. Of the I did movies. end up seeing the one where Bruce Willis is involved. Is that 13? That's 12. That's 12? I, I, That's the only other one I've seen. I remember seeing that one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like he had a, you would know. In 13, it's... God, I'm blanking on the actor's name. Uh, it's not Saul. It's the guy with the glasses. Elliot Gould. Elliot Gould. Yeah. Yeah. He's with a cigar. He has a heart attack because he Al Pacino like ruins him. Okay, Pacino's in thirteen. In thirteen. And so the whole arc of thirteen is they do it for gotcha. like Gould. Okay. They're like, we're gonna destroy Because when we were, I was watching it this time, I misremembered. It's been so long since I've seen that yeah. um, movie. Um uh Twelve is the one I with thought the is night this Fox. a pl- is this something that does he actually he actually dies in one of these and I was no, misremembering no. it. Um can cut that i don't know no absolutely not <laughs> carl reiner is alive and well carl right? reiner who appears in this son of rob reiner director of princess bride connecting our episodes for no reason we gain nothing by doing that but i'm gonna do it every episode i think someone out there will care six degrees of our episodes i really want to see the scene where because this is even before they presented to elliot gould and then throughout the heist, they have elaborate architectural wireframes. And this is before they steal the plans. So they made these. Uh, and PowerPoint presentations about the casino and the plan for the heist, including animations. And they have little paper models of the casinos. And just because Brad Pitt and George Clooney are so like charming and high status, it's hilarious to me to imagine that they spent several days being like, can you hand me the X-Acto knife? Yeah, I th- oh, I need the wood glue this would have that been looks a sketch good some man da- yeah some that point. looks good brad pitt that <laughs> yeah. little paper dome's really coming together like they had to construct these crafts projects or like also trying to do the presentations or like maybe test runs of them or like the powerpoint this won't work this isn't working it collapses because you know they say they rehearse stuff and they yeah. treat it like a sales pitch but i just think you really can't imagine them rehearsing the whole scene that they did in front of the whole team like they probably did that five times to each other and gave each other notes on it <clears throat> that scene's in 12 and that's the uh, rehearsal oh. and yeah they uh, like 405 i do this 406 i do this but uh what's even like it's crazy they double down on this in that movie in 12 like a, like they're the whole arc in like the preparation arc in act two can just be thrown away in oceans 12 because they all get put in jail, which is retroactively found out to be a part of their plan. Right. But they do a bunch of work that if they didn't get put in jail, that it's not like their enemies are like watching them. They, uh, they hire Eddie Izzard to make this crazy holographic Fabergé egg thing that is not even, I mean, they use it, but it's not necessary at all. Right. And it's all just, and that's what I'm talking about with Ocean's Eleven. Like, it's the jump start of, like, you have to watch these movies and know that, like, it's just riddled with plot holes. Mm-hmm. It, like, feels like a tall tale that Danny Ocean is telling you. Yeah. Now, like, I typically hate that because it's mm-hmm. bad writing. But when your entire movie is just constant no. bad writing for this it. purpose i had a sneaking suspicion abe likes oceans <laughs> i i i i don't necessarily like it i wouldn't put it in a like a higher like movie. is a strong right. word like is a strong i just see that like this is how the system operates like this is 
it's bread and butter. Mm -hmm. Like it chooses just to pick up things that are like, this is flashy. I want to have Elvis's little less, you know, uh, conversation playing over, even though they should have played Viva Las Vegas. I don't know why they didn't do Viva Las Vegas. I think that you can accept it for the kind of movie it is. And be like, oh, all of this stuff, and I'm going to sit back and enjoy it and have fun or whatever. But I feel I, like, yeah, I don't know right. that it holds up. Like, no, the one, know? the promise or like what it brings to the party, I feel like is simply we're going to have an ever expanding cast of people and we're going to do very standard tension raising arcs, but we're going to cut back and forth between all 11. And that's that's what we do. So it has this really fun, fast feel. Mm-hmm. We have to keep remembering. Oh no! Now the acrobat's hand is caught. Oh no! Now Saul's having a heart right, attack. Right. Oh no! Don Cheadle's doing the EMP. Like it's just we can cut anywhere. It's like uh, Abe refers to it as. Meanwhile, <laughs> back at the ranch. Ocean's Eleven is like, what if there were 10 ranches? Yeah, yeah. And we were just like spinning the camera around, (laughs) learning at all of them in sequence. But what's funny to me is if you separate each story in each ranch, so to speak, the same thing is happening. It's a standard, uh, we have a goal, tension rises, 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 rises very steadily, we win, the end. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's, uh, It's an experiment in the suspension of dramatic irony. It's the whole idea is that it will play with what you know and don't know and then use to maximum effect. Should that scare you? Should that make you excited? I don't know, but I'm going to just be a doctor of this and make you feel something. And then it's that satisfying feeling is always at the end. You're like, oh, I should have just felt confident because they always had it well in hand. (laughs) Which I guess I just admire from an editorial. Like, because you, you're absolutely right about how it's just like, Look at the star power of this cast. Look at Steven Soderbergh. Look at all these things. George Clooney's gonna say charming yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, Julie Roberts is in it. Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones is in it later. Uh, it's, oh. it's um, but that's like the Expendables. Like the Expendables mm-hmm. has the same kind of s- yeah. situation. Dolph Lundgren, you know, Sly's in it. But this seems to do an interesting thing. It's not just bad writing. It's like bad writing for bad writing's sake. It's like a very strange thing. I don't know. It's not really defensible. I was also surprised how much it overlapped with Mission Impossible. Like the a lot of the appeal also seemed to be the crazy gadgets they used, which I didn't foresee being part of. That's not classically True. a part of a heist yeah. movie. So I guess it is it is a mashup insofar as like we were saying it owes everything to things like the sting, and I agree, but it is a permutation. Like, they didn't bring nothing to the table because it's the Sting plus James Bond gadgets. Like, yeah, that yeah. is that is a new, technically a new subgenre, but it's like a no-brainer, like, okay, yeah. Is this, was this before <laughs> okay. the Bourne movies? Yeah. Bourne feels so much more real and visceral, though. It does. I don't think Bourne is like No, like it's this. nothing oh, okay. like this. But I, there were moments when I saw Matt Damon scrambling around and jumping off of this building or then, mm. like, becoming the guy that is in character and like following people in different disguises and then repelling down things. I was like, this is like an audition kind of (laughs) like, like, you know, to be able to do all the different stuff that he does. And I think that's the meta commentary of the casting. I really think it was Hollywood saying because his role is, he is the son of a legendary thief. And of course it sounds like throughout the franchise, right? He gets groomed by Danny and Brad Pitt, rusty Jesus to like become one of the top dudes 
And I I really think that was meta commentary. Yeah. Like it's Hollywood saying Matt Damon is the next Brad Pitt or George Clooney. Right. Do you think Ben Affleck was like super bummed not to be there? I think Ben Affleck's always super bummed. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, think I don't. I think he's an unhappy but he did man. Something else. Like his, I don't know what it was. Like this boys club making a boys club movie, and your bestie yeah. boy, your bestie boy is up there. I love con lingo. I wish they'd leaned more. That's what I liked about yeah. Matchstick Man. They, but they never explained anything. We need a Leon Spinks and the biggest Ella Fitzgerald ever. Yeah, I wanted to know. I'm like I'm sure those are real con terms. I wish they would have yeah. defined them. Yeah. Some of them you can kind of infer. Yeah, but the Albany ham scam. That's a sim- <laughs> that's from the Simpsons. Yeah. Well, at one point they talk about how, uh, God, what which movie is it? I can't remember which one, but they say like someone gets a Susan B. Anthony, mm-hmm. which they get a bunch of money at the end, and just because they were punishing them, I think it might be thirteen. Uh, I definitely one, didn't see thirteen. Yeah, at one point they're screwing with this guy. Uh, who's like a five diamond, you know, like the guy who walks around and mm-hmm. checks out the hotels, yeah. Al Pacino's hotel. And they like make him sick and break out in hives. And you're just like, these are horrible people just to get what they want. Yeah. And they're like, it'll be fine because at the airport, he gets all this money that because the, they rig the machine. So sure. that, which is so weird because they don't know that he's going to like put the coin in. Right. It, like it's just like everything was like luck and charisma mm-hmm. with these, you know, con men. Yeah. Just they they will magically will everything to go their way. That's the whole point of these stories. And you're saying does one always pick up right where the last one left off? N- uh, no, like 12 happens like uh, probably like a year or, or months okay. after. And does he still have his fifteen million dollars, or is the whole? Yeah, they've all like kind of spent their money. But the at conflict rates. is that Terry Benedict is after Terry them. Terry Benedict okay. finds him, right? Yeah. So okay. and he finds him through the Night Fox, who is the best uh, cat burglar, li- living cat burglar right. right now. He was trained by Gaspar Lamarck, who's Albert Finney, and um, who is the Night Fox? Night at, Fox is I don't know. He's okay, some guy, a French guy, uh, but. Gerard Depardieu. Yeah, uh, that's the, the only one Fox? of them. The whole point is of that movie is that like, no, you just be a thief out of necessity. This mm. guy wants to be yeah. the best, so he gets he's to an lose. Artist. Yeah, he, he has to lose because he's doing it for the wrong reasons. For love. Yeah, and it's <laughs> love just, of the craft. Everything is just completely retconned in the Act Three because sure. Albert Finney just says, "By the way, we had that phone call where I was like, I'll just make it easier on you guys." Uh, and you don't see that until the end of Act Three. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's stupid. Well, speaking of stupid things at the end of Act Three, for these guys who play in this perfect heist that's so clever, why would they literally stand in a row outside oh, yeah. staring at the place they just robbed minutes after it was robbed? Put their arms around each other's mm-hmm. shoulders knowingly and like look at each other and go their separate ways. Yeah. If I were a cop just walking by, I'd be like, I bet they did it. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys over there looking like they're really pleased with having robbed something, yeah. all standing in a row, like with arms linked. Absolutely. Let's question them. <laughs> yeah. Get the hell out of there. <laughs> yeah. Now. Now. Yeah. They don't even. Yeah. They don't. They like. 
Elliot Gould like lights a cigar and slowly yeah. walks away. I'm like, run, man, run. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are in the desert. Yeah. So, like they even said, like after everyone what, you steal it's everything, it's still hard you're to still get away. In the desert. Yeah. Yeah. Only Clooney is going back to jail. You guys have a chance here. Yeah. I also really want to know if that's what an EMP looks like. Because uh, it looks oh, the same right. in Batman, a that big pinch. tube of glass with yeah. uh, like a coil inside it. Yeah. It looked like to me the, um, there's a, uh, the Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves movie, nineteen ninety three, chain reaction. Oh sure, where they invent cold fusion. Yeah, it looks like the cold fusion. Yeah, like is that reactor. what it looks like, or is that just our like sci-fi, or, like our brain's depiction of like something like that? Tube, yeah, yeah tubes, tubes of water. Some sort of big glowy, big though. Big glowy I, tubes. I think that Keanu Reeves could invent cold fusion is one of the more viable premises. Yeah. Him and Elizabeth Shue and the Saint. Oh, cold fusion. Fusion. <laughs> oh, that was good. Ah, this, damn it. There's lots of snow in the Saint. Cold. There's something there. Yeah. Val. Yeah, I do want to uh, throw out because we also just recommend stuff on this show. I'm going to recommend some books real quick. This is total Ooh. digression. <laughs> um, but this idea of the clockwork plot where it's an incredibly difficult task and then everything comes together. And in retrospect, you realize it was the plan all along and you can't believe how clever the plan was. There's a series of fantasy books called the Myth Series by Robert Asprin. Every title is a pun with the word myth in it, like mythy and improb- impossible, or uh, the first one's called Another Fine Myth. And they're the best version of that I've ever... Like, I always compare oh, cool. them to Arrested Development also, or great Seinfeld episodes, because they're like 120-page fantasy novels written at the level of like young adult vocabulary. But the plot is so fucking Ocean's Eleven, and there are no plot holes. And it involves magic and, and wizards and What's stuff. What's it called again? The, the Myth series, series by Robert Asprin. But so because there's magic, it'll be like... And, and it's this structure. They'll like heist something, but you'll know what set of spells they have available and how, and how they use them to their advantage. It's always amazing. It's tough to make plot holes when you have magic. It's also, no, but there's strict rules on the magic. That's why I feel like it doesn't have as many plot holes. It's pretty, like it has a system that's good. You got to be near ley lines in the right dimension. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, back to Ocean's Eleven. What other, I want to just talk about the heist genre in general. Is there, like, can we shout out favorite heist movies? Because this is not my favorite heist movie. I think I might go with The Rock. The Rock is a really good one. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a prison break is a heist kind of idea. And they also infiltrate and destroy. Right. Infiltrate and destroy. Infiltrate and destroy the terrorist's threat. I guess you can call that a heist. I wouldn't call it a heist movie per se. Really? Bra- yeah. I feel like breaking into any kind format. of fortress and recovering your objective and re- getting it out is a heist movie. Can I say Princess Bride? As a heist movie? <laughs> Just act three Just when they the storm the castle, yeah. right? Yeah. Not really. I'm I'm not super familiar with the genre, I guess. So I'm like, um I mean it's a subgenre within a genre within a it's very <laughs> specific. Yeah, like movies That's, where they yeah. heist things. Yeah, that French connections. When good. I th- French Connection is really good. Uh I think of it as that like kind of act one, two, three that I laid out is that that's what a heist movie looks like Mm. because there's so many of them. It kind of in the same way of like when you call it a Western, it has to obey these rules. 
But there's films that take place in the Old West. Sure, but that you wouldn't count. That you wouldn't necessarily, necessarily count a Western. But I guess that might just be mincing words. I don't know. I I really love The Sting. I think The Sting is probably the best type of Sting movie. is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you can't beat The Sting. Do you like Matchstick Men? I, li- I remember I liking it. it. I haven't seen it in a Ridley long time. Scott. It's 2000? Like Nick Cage uh, yeah. con movie. I love con movies where they're like Nick Cage, about con but- men. Um, fun. what's the one that I, what wasn't there one last year? It kind of is. It was more like a chase. What was the one with um, Logan Lucky? Catch no, me if you can. <laughs> catch me if you can. No, it's, a, uh, the, um, I didn't even finish seeing it or whatever. The, um, uh, Jeff Bridges, um, uh, hell, Hell or High Water. Hell or whatever. High Water. Was that it's it? Is like, that the one you're was, thinking of? Yeah, but it's not a heist movie. They steal money <sighs> yeah. and then it's like that no, chase. No, that's a, like, it's, a good uh, it's movie, just though. a modern it's a good Western. Movie, but I don't know how it ended because for whatever reason. That's I, an interesting counterpoint to what Abe was just saying. Not counterpoint, but like it's the opposite of that. It's yeah. a, yeah, it's a Western even though it's not set in the classical Wild West, right. but it is a Western. It follows yeah. all the Western tropes. It's a sheriff tracking outlaws and all the plot maneuvers are like, western fair yeah. it was good i need to finish yeah it. heist movies are not in fashion right now well I, I, I well mean, we've got the new one coming or i'm out. dumb i just can't name a lot but like i was even thinking because if you splice it down to that you're right fast and the furious is not that because fast and the furious is always start with a plan act one the the crime family is going to do this plan but then act two and three are always a bunch of crazy shit totally changes the plan like they just always go off the rails to end on whatever centerpiece they decided was going to happen this time right like a sub nuclear sub jumping out of the ocean but uh speaking of oceans (laughs) (laughs) you were going to say oceans a right yeah we definitely have to talk about that yeah i mean i think it looks cool it might be just capitalizing on a lot of this women-centric stuff but i'm also okay with that but it i thought i like the i like the cast i got excited watching the trailer i was excited excited to see it all we do is capitalize on things we're capitalist society we should be capitalizing on women obviously you know what i mean in the positive sense like when you release frozen and realize it's the biggest hit you've had in a long time fucking learn from that yeah i don't yeah exactly absolutely um uh i am i'm 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 excited for it but by the same token as a fan of film and art i will say like so i can hold to both opinions i guess at once is like if if dumb mediocre middle of the road fair is going to come out it should still be inclusive of everyone yeah and like have what were you just yeah. talking about uh oh yeah i was talking with jen about black panther and how it's both super super great to finally have mm-hmm. i mean we had luke cage but like a black superhero on the in a big huge budget yeah marvel production at the same time it doesn't change the fact that i'm bored of marvel movies yeah and even though i have a lot of faith in ryan coogler uh, I'm sure the board of executives will have massaged it into the standard formula exactly. by the time it comes out. So I'm still like, yeah, I'm sure it'll still be like yeah. a Marvel movie formula movie. Um, so like, yeah, representation everywhere, but it doesn't make Ocean's 8 well, good. I completely, like it doesn't guarantee it will be good. I, I completely agree with that. And um, it adds its own pressure. Like I have a problem with making a movie and just making it women because that's like the trendy thing or something like that or and like it still seems like a real male 
like the thought line, the thought line, like uh, the thinking or the motivations still seem intrinsically male. Like actually think if you approach a script and actually think about like, what's the female version of this story? What are this? How do they behave? Like, and not like that to me is still being worked out. And a lot of times I don't, Yeah, I'm disappointed by. No, I agree. Especially in genre films, because that to me is the most interesting expression of what you just said. Like, I mentioned how in it came from gangster movies. We don't have nearly enough female gangster movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole idea of the twist of the heist movie as a subgenre coming from film noir, uh, we don't have a lot of, like, I can't think of film noirs where the lead cast is female. Right, only the femme fatale. Yeah, and, like, there's a lot of classic... Like, what was it? Like, there's, like, classic heist movies, like, um, uh, like, Usual Suspects is a good one. Mm-hmm. What was the one that I was forgetting? Oh, Inception. Inception is a modern heist movie Okay. that has the same editorial procedure as uh, Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. Um, Snatch is another good one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These are all very male-dominated films. Well, means there's lots of room to tell good news stories. Yeah. Thomas Crown Affair. But I, I agree with what you're saying, Katie, in the sense that it's still, everything's an echo of, like when you see Ghostbusters and you're like, it's great that it's the female version. It's still the female version of Ghostbusters, exactly. a male thing envisioned by males about how they view the world and with yeah. all that baked into it. And of course, like, they're still going to, they want it to feel like Ghostbusters. So they're going to be like, be kind of like Egon though. Yeah. You know? Like, um, you're, yeah, you're the Egon. Um, and then with Ocean's 8, I just feel like, and that's the other double standard women in Hollywood especially really have to fight at is if Ocean's 8 is bad, everyone will think that means that it was a mistake to cast it with all women. But if Ocean's fucking 15 fails with George Clooney and Brad Pitt, they're not like, Oh, I guess George Clooney's done. Exactly. Like dudes are allowed to make nine flops in a row. And we're figuring it out. Whereas we'll be like, oh, I guess females ruined Ghostbusters. <clears throat> like right. we can't do that anymore. No, I think like, what, what really ruins that's a different conversation. Scripts and shit. Like whether the script was good and the directing <laughs> I, and stuff. I think that that's the key is that if you want to make genre films, stick to the genre. Yeah. Make yeah. genre film. Because that's what we like. That's what humans respond to is there's only a few real, like there's only a X number of stories and we have confined them into these strategic kind of like way in which they operate, yeah. you know, like a Western or a film noir or a heist movie, make a good one. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the genders of yeah. the people involved are. Well, we just sent you uh, that, Kind of noir, I a gangster short. Meant to tell you guys how much I love it. Oh, you like, had I, a chance to I read it. it. I, for, I kept forgetting to, and then I read it, and I was like, "This is very funny." I'm I love to bend your ear about it. Yeah, yeah. Not to dwell on like, yeah, behind the curtains stuff no. for too long, but yeah, we sent Katie a short we just wrote that is a gangster in the gangster. Yeah, it's called a gangster. Feast for Coyotes. Yeah. and I think yeah. one of the things was, that was really important to us is it was written specifically as like wise guys. They're just people with this point of view yeah please don't like it says across the page like yeah 
Don't just cast 40-something Italian-American, I, I dude. I loved that. Yeah. I love thinking of it like that, It would too. be so much more interesting. So like, much. you just get free interestingness yeah. by not doing that. Yeah. Right, because we wrote all the lines to... If you just... If you take out that line from the top of the script, mm-hmm. you read it as like, okay, so these are all like 40-something-year-old yeah. Italian mobsters. Yeah, yeah. Probably movie. named Vito. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, yeah, no, we specifically don't cast any of those. It's so fun. I think that, and, and, yeah, no, I'm excited about it because that's pretty simple to put together. Oh, yeah. yeah it's like, easy. Well, I mean, we kept uh, talking about Bugsy Malone, uh, yeah. which is if you guys... Don't, or if you don't know that, uh, it's the no, British don't. movie that mm-hmm. was a gangster movie, but it chose to cast all kids. Yeah. And oh, when they that. shoot each other, it's like pies. That is so fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Is like, it good? But the dialogue yeah, is yeah, adult level dialogue. You know, yeah. they got them to, it's a like, like an adult level story yes, that they're going yeah, through. Like forget a Jake, it's Chinatown kind of stuff, <laughs> but it's all kids. <laughs> Right, and then they get hit by a pie, and you know that signifies in real life that guy died. That guy yeah. died. But we're just going to show a kid getting hit by a pie. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a ma- so there's massive shootouts, and yeah. cut, they're all cutthroat, and it's uh, Bugsy Malone. <laughs> I've loved I've loved uh, different stylizations of blood is always interesting to me. Like when Julie Taymor did her production of Titus Andronicus, which is Shakespeare's most brutal play, and all the blood was like red silk. Like you'd get violently stabbed and red spools of red <clears throat> yeah, silk would like spool out. I'm like, that's stage, cool. Right? That's for like, the stage, yeah. Because yeah. that was in Hamlet as well. I just Kenneth love uh, anytime they make blood something not blood. Yeah. I like that technique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or pies. Yeah. yeah, pies also good. Yeah, silk or pies. One of the best uh, mm, dare comedy sketches you should look up if you haven't seen it. In a world where guns don't sound like they should. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great one. It's just... Just any a, sound yeah. other than a gunshot. I it's like just that. a very straight action trailer with every gunshot sound. I love a simple joke else. just like that. Yeah. Keep yeah. doing simple it. Simple audio joke, yeah. yeah. For real. Do you watch The Good Place? I, I don't, do. but everyone's telling me to. I love it, but just, yeah, you can't swear, so it's fork. Uh, and yeah. Oh, it right. And it makes me laugh all the time. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It turns out it was purgatory the whole time. You don't know The anything. island was purgatory, the, Katie. I haven't no. seen Lost. <laughs> oh. The island is a polar bear the whole time. <laughs> yeah, they're on a giant polar bear. <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Terry Pratchett. Never mind. We've stopped talking about Ocean's Eleven for quite a while. Yeah, that's fine. I'd say we've safely heisted all value <laughs> out of Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, Do yeah. people have wrap-up points? You also got a little bonus conversation about Ocean's Eight, gender uh, identity politics in Hollywood, and... What was the last topic we covered? Well, you just heard it. Write in and tell me what we talked about. Yeah. Got anything, Abe? Uh, I think that the if you want to edit this into when we're talking about what makes a movie successful, mm-hmm. uh, kind of the most internationally famous franchise right now is a series of heist movies, and it's because they've they have international appeal, which is the Fast and Furious franchise. Because they choose not to hire a bunch of white yeah. men. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know. Yeah. Do you think that do you, those movies fit your structural rubric yeah, of what a heist movie is? Absolutely. Even though the even though unlike Ocean's Eleven, their plan invariably goes wrong. Like unplanned things happen. Yeah, the charm of Ocean's Eleven versus it's more like The Sting, and it isn't unique to heist movies, which is that they're like rapscallions who are like barely getting by in like a John McClane diehard way. 
in the Fast and Furious movies, there may be a time where you think that there's a pushback from the police or whatnot. We're all is but lost. Ultimately, yeah. they're in control all the time because they're so good at their job. But there often is a twist in Act Three. It's a different kind of control, though. It's funny because yeah. it's like uh, Ocean's Eleven. It's like, oh, in retrospect, they always had everything in hand because they thought this all through. Yeah. In Fast and the Furious, it's like, oh, in retrospect, they always had it in hand because they can fly their magic cars. Right. <laughs> like, what do whatever they yeah. need? Their magic. I think superheroes. the important part about. I think it's more of a superhero team movie. It's a superhero team movie because when you um. You, you, I think you're right about that. There, there, there's a lot of really good parallels because when you break down what a heist movie structurally really is, uh, it's act one motivation for the heist, act two plan the heist, act three do the heist, and uh, whether or not you have a big twist that's just like, oh, the villain wasn't as bad as we thought, or it's the hero is actually the villain. It w- whatever the twist is. Or Jason is, Statham, <laughs> who we matter. watched murder one of our best friends a few movies right. ago, is now on our side. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. But like. Uh, that that can be replaced with a superhero movie where it's like the motivation for being good, the arrival and pushback of like the testing of whether or not the Superman is going to do the good thing and the doing Don't of the good thing. It. Yeah. Oh, he does the good thing now. It's yeah, because he's super. So I think there is a lot of that. Like heist movies are losing a little bit of their flourish these days because they're being made into all movie kind of like what we talked about on the last Jedi podcast where it's like the Marvelification or the Disneyfication. There's of, a formula of to turn your movie into just an amusement park ride. And a lot of people are leaning into it. Do you guys watch Peaky Blinders? No, I watched season one and I think half a season two. There's, I mean, they do heists. The seasons build mm. up to a big heist. They're heist episodes, right? Yeah. yeah, those are always very exciting. I watch Freaky Blinders about a girl who tra- <laughs> magically trades places with her blind mom, and they learn what each other's lives are like. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to go the other direction where it's an interior designer <laughs> <laughs> who makes really weird blinds. Who that makes no one very wants. atypical choices. Well, we're talking about blinds, so I'm going to call it. That's yeah. your episode of Frame Rate for this week. Thanks for joining us, Katie. Thank you so I much, everyone. I had a great time. Yeah, yeah it's easy, me. right? Hey, mm-hmm. where, can we, where can we find you on line? Dang, we forgot last episode. No. Do it twice. To do that all or just do it once and we'll copy paste yeah, it. Yeah, you can, you can find me on Twitter, you know, at Katie Stoll. At Katie Stoll. Yeah. Is there any any projects to plug at the moment? Mm, not the moment. All right. You're this, just incubating this, some yeah, things. Yeah. You know. We'll have you back on soon. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you. This has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash small beans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash small beans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!